on today's player pool. We have a lot of preferred options, a lot of stud players this week. You're going to have to really double down on your research and identifying key matchups. I give you some tips on, on what to look for. Then we go into Sunday situations before finally walking through all the games. Brittany Mahomes and Taylor Swift on Thursday Night Football. I dig it. Let's go. It's the Player Pool Podcast with your host, Austin Raboy. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Player Pool Podcast. We are gaining momentum. Players, after a month, five weeks into the NFL season, we're starting to hit. Every guy is starting to build. I had a, a listener of mine tell me recently he, he had a friend or I think a family member of his. This guy's name is a, a Toby. But he, he said that this friend sent him his lineup, sent them the lineup, in, and, and at first glance, Toby could just look at it and see that it was missing the foundational uh, building blocks that make a good DFS lineup and how he was like, uh, you know, shocked. Oh, like, no, don't do that. And then he said, hey, if you want to get better DFS, truly listen to the player pool. And uh, by all means, keep doing that if you guys are out there. I mean, word of mouth makes makes this a lot more fun and, and adds more people and, and open the door to, you know, to more people to enjoy the, the, the best version of fantasy football. But back to that reaction when you do see poorly built lineups. That was my at least last five years. I had a bunch of people all the time in the last five years, especially send me their lineups because they wanted my thoughts on it. And, you know, my initial thought would always be like, man, I, I don't even know where to begin. It's not even remotely resembling a competitive DFS lineup. So it is funny to see people now who are also building lineups the correct way. And they, we can kind of share in that experience of just like, ah, uh, not even close. <laughs> here's how you build. Here's how you build a house. Here's how you build a lineup. So, uh, anyway, that's that's been that that was kind of funny. But yeah, tell your friends. You know, spread the word on this pod. That helps us grow. That helps DFS. Who you know doesn't have a crazy amount of players, right? You know, we're not talking millions and millions like season long fantasy football does. Like the guys that play a lot on sleeper and and Yahoo fantasy. You know, the traditional season long. We're definitely in an era where we need that player base to kind of start siphoning over into DFS and we need more players. We need more fish, especially once you become a really good player or else there'll be nothing else else to eat. And we'll have to start eating each other in, in the margins uh, for profit for victory. Just get that much slimmer. But at the same time, new players, they also get better. It just creates more contests, more opportunity for everybody. So we want DFS to be the land of plentiful uh, as the, as the years keep coming and going past us. So I thought it'd be a good idea open the show and just give kind of a glimpse of how my player pool turned out this week, because this was an, an abnormal player pool build uh, once I finished. So what wasn't uh, abnormal is the running back numbers, you know, I, and I never realized how much concern I guess listeners would have when they finished their pools feeling like they had added too many people. So since I've been hearing those concerns, I, I do like to try to say, Hey, here's how many I had in each uh, position, especially at running back and wide receiver. So, I, in this player pool build, I have my quarterback numbers are, are pretty usual. I got five. I, I know I'll play. There's a sixth that I'm borderline. I'm borderline. And I'll just go ahead and say it, it's Stafford. I don't know if I'll actually be playing him or if I'll just be playing his friends. Uh, but then in the running backs, I had 14 running backs make my player pool, 20 wide receivers. And that's very typical. But what is not typical is how many 
of those numbers have I highlighted as either slate breakers or preferred plays. So for running backs, for example, of the 14 that I have in my pool, nine I have highlighted. For the wide receivers, of the 20 I have in my pool, 14 I have highlighted in one way or another. And uh, actually, let's change that number right now to 15 because I'm highlighting A.J. Brown as a preferred as well. So that's a crazy amount of players highlighted. And that means that if I am to stand at five lineups at six max, I'm going to have to work really hard to to fit all these in this week. So right now, it's Thursday as we're recording this. I know for a fact that tomorrow, Friday, I'm going to have to put in a couple hours of lineup building uh, to feel good about it and probably even have to finish it up on Saturday. So that's that's just what that those numbers tell me. Now, again, I, don't, I, I assume it's going to take me more time, but I don't actually know because... Again, the player pool, when you follow the steps correctly, it can kind of burn through a lot of these player options pretty quick. And just when I go through the repetitions, uh, especially assigning my, my quarterback stacked lineups first, once I kind of check off who I've already entered, you know, sometimes I'm happy to see, whew, thank God the player pool took care of me. And, you know, two-thirds of my, of my required players I want to play are already taken care of. Another just overall theme I saw in the player pool though, is this week very limited tight end options that I liked and very limited bargain bin tight ends uh, that made my player pool. So only six tight ends made my player pool. Hawkinson, he actually made it at 6,700, even though big shock of actually play that. I always do like to still put players, tight ends who are in good situations, just obviously good situations in there. Uh, but I'm not seeing the value anywhere else in the other positions that I foresee myself getting to Hawkinson, but it could happen. But yeah, of the five kind of lower priced tight ends I have in here, I'm not in love with any of them. Evan Ingram's in here at 5,500, and that's pr- that's about my tipping. That's the ceiling of what I'd like to pay at tight end. So I don't actually know if I'll get to him. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if a T law. Uh, Trevor Lawrence lineup actually makes my player pool because, well, not my player pool. He made my player pool, but if that lineup ends up going and I do play a T-Law lineup, maybe maybe I tack in Ingram in there, you know, stacked up with, uh, you know, Kirk or or Ridley, whoever actually gets the uh, gets stacked up with Trevor Lawrence. We'll see how that build goes. But, yeah, again, I just see there's a lot of preferred players in my pool this week. So what that also means is not only is maybe do I need to give myself a little extra time to build this week, but you and you guys need to do this too. You have to slow down when you're making this player pool and really add in all of the labels. You need to you need to really assess: is this a value play? Is this a positive matchup? And and how do you find that out? I mean, some of this is easy. You can look at, especially for running backs, it's very easy to see if a running back is in a positive matchup. You go online, you see what the Vegas lines are. So if a, if a running back is in a game where they're favored by 5.5 points to 10 points. That's a positive matchup. That's definitely a positive matchup if he's at home as well. So that's how you, those are, that, I mean, that's super easy. You can Google that in a few seconds. So there's a lot of other ways. You can look up things like, you know, team, you know, rush yards per game allowed, which we're going to talk about in the show a little bit when we get to some Sunday situations. All this, all this data is right out, out there available to you. One Google, you know, away from, from getting this data. So it, and it, so I say all this to say it's not going to burn five minutes of your time, like to decide if 
Joe Mixon this week is in a good situation. Or actually, to decide if Kenneth Walker coming across the country playing the Bengals on an early start, if he's actually at 8,400, a good play this week in a, in a positive uh, matchup, just look up the Bengals' rush defense rankings and see where they're at. Bengals are 31st against the rush. You know, they're now the, they're favored in this game, two and a half points, but with all those other factors, with Kenneth Walker's usage and a weak run defense proven, it's a good matchup. Like, he's not saying he's going to be in a positive game script. Not saying that Joe Burrow is not going to drop bombs and that Seattle's going to be down two touchdowns early and then and then Walker's you know usage goes away early. But in terms of what he's going to run into, going up the middle, going off tackle, it isn't going to be least best. You can at least know that. So this is the week with so many preferred options. Slow down, add all your labels, really research these matchups. Ask yourself, are they going up against a weak defense? If the score is 0-0, is it a weak defense? And then ask yourself, is this a place where they will have positive game script? Is this a place, especially for running backs, or even, you know, good teams, the running back has a positive game script, right? The bad teams, the wide receivers have positive game script. Devontae Adams is going to be in positive game script a lot this year. And so that's what keeps him at slate breaker status. It's not the efficiency of targets, right? So look at look at those two things. Matchup, how does that look in? And as this game unfolds, kind of envision how it could unfold. Is there a positive game script in there? So you're going to need to do that to really cut through the amount of very good, like good, well-positioned players running back and wide receiver this week just to have a chance. All right, let's get into some Sunday situations. Another more on-point theme, a situation that we're going to have to deal with that you'll be attracted to like a like a bug attracted to light this week is we have a lot of duos on the same team that emerged this past week. I'm talking Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss with the Indianapolis Colts, and let's start there. We got a couple others to walk through. So first off, while you're making your player pool, you're going to notice Jonathan Taylor, 6,500 price against the Jacksonville Jaguars team. That I think a lot of people view as being soft. I think a lot of people kind of associate the Jaguars offense and sometimes how they either play down to their competition or underperform, view it as an overall soft football team, but that's not true. So first off, before I get into Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss situation, I'll just say Jags are top five in the NFL against the run, allowing only 81.6 yards per game and only three touchdowns so far this year to running backs. So I don't, see the Jaguars as a good matchup at all for Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss. And I love that in DFS when it's kind of an open situation. You don't know how what the outcome is going to be necessarily. Oh, don't worry. They're either on a primetime game, so they're not in the main slate, thank God. Or like this, at least going up against a, you know, a meat grinder of a run defense. You know, So you can feel good if you just completely wait and see this game. And the projected ownership for both these players, honestly, is pretty low. But I just want to acknowledge it because I know you guys and I know when you're going through all the players that Jonathan Taylor price, like it did to me, is really going to stick out. So how to approach this right now. Last week was not a good look for the front office, for the Colts, for one last time. They did pay Jonathan Taylor only for then Zach Moss to come out and be a slate breaker and just an all-world running back, right? Over 150 yards from scrimmage, a couple touchdowns. Zach Moss looks like a legitimate RB1 in this league. But they paid the other guy. They paid the other guy with Jim Irsay's money, who, I don't know if you've noticed this, has a personality, 
kind of likes to swing it around and, and have his will be exerted across his organization for better or for worse or for Andrew Luck's retirement. Mm, sorry, but it's true. So, yes, these, this coaching staff, if they value their jobs, yes, sir, they're going to make sure Jonathan Taylor becomes the featured running back. Now, one thing we've seen with players that kind of get a late start into the year, Josh Jacobs was a good example of this. He joined his team, what, eight days before the first uh, game of the year. They do kind of have a three-week gear-up period. So I do expect Jonathan Taylor only played 15%, 15% of the snaps last game. That's not going to stay like that the rest of the year. That just tells you right there, yeah, they were just dipping his toes in the water. This week, I think he's going to be allowed to kind of splash around in the pool, right? They're going to get him in 40 anywhere from like 40%, probably, I, I would be shocked if it's over 50, but it'll probably be in that 40% range. And they're going to leave running hot Zach Moss probably in that 60% range, which is a usable running back level. Now, this is all a lot of just reading the psychology of, of employees and bosses, right? The employees being the coaches, trying to read their psychology of, we're going to do this right, but also try to appease the big man. So, Overall, I just don't think these guys have a good matchup anyway. Now, they are playing a defense that's surely going to have some jet lag issues, right? Jaguars have been in London for over two weeks now, coming back to play this game. But still, I think they're not favored in this game. It's a tough defense they're running against. Very likely that they're a negative game script for a running game anyway pretty early, given the Colts' weak pass pass defense anyway, which you know Trevor Lawrence should be able to eat this up. So... I would expect over time, Jonathan Taylor steps into the prominent role. They're going to burn those three years they signed for and load him up like a Larry Johnson type and make him a usage monster. It's coming. It's definitely not this week. Ownership projections kind of show that too. Both players are projected for under 3% each. So I think that's how you need to handle the Colts this week. Next situation. This is kind of off the same thing, and I kind of alluded to it already, but... I think the Jaguars got to be another serious look at this week after seeing how horrendous this Colts pass defense is or has always been or has become throughout the season. The Colts pass defense made old DeAndre Hopkins and throwing the kitchen sink Ryan Tannehill look competent last week. This Colts D, they allow a lot of time to the quarterback to throw and they get picked apart in the secondary. So, you got to weigh that against this London travel, I will say. I mean, this is an important divisional game, and they it is at home. So that's in the Jaguars' favor. But if they come out flat, especially early, you know, seven, you know, it's a seven-nothing or seven to three ball game with five minutes in the second quarter, I wouldn't be shocked. Like my dad always said, most of your fantasy points are scored midway through the third quarter and on. So I do expect kind of a late flare-up from the Jags in this game. I don't think you can avoid them. I mean, this matchup against the Colts is absolutely golden. The The Colts are the 28th-ranked pass defense in the league. They're allowing 262.8 yards a game. You can't ignore it, and you're going to target the Colts' pass, uh, pass defense the rest of the year. So you got to figure it out. you got to get T-Law in there. you got to get Kirk and Ridley and probably some Evan Ingram throughout your lineups. I'm not saying build a big mega stack in this one, but they all kind of you got to have some touches throughout. So make your decisions there, but expect a slow start with that travel effect in these players. All right, the third situation I think you're going to have to deal with is it's no secret, but the best wide receiver in the NFL is out for at least the next month. 
And what he leaves behind is a young wide receiver core with a veteran quarterback on a horrible Minnesota Vikings team that surely will be in positive game script for the pass game probably the rest of the year. So until Kirk Cousins is traded, what do you do between Addison and K.J. Osborne? Addison, the Fandle did you no favors. Addison is priced in a this or that kind of a pricing where you either pick the high upside of Addison that's inherent in his abilities or you go with something more familiar with less upside in K.J. Osborne. I mean, these prices are, are, are kind of like this or that. 6700 6200 only 500 difference. But by now, you guys should know how that can squeeze your lineup pretty heavily. So, so let's compare both players' usage and try to determine which is the better play here, or at least how you should read it. You very well may need to have access to both these players this week. So, first off, throughout the year, K.J. Osborne has played more snaps. So the snap share count is going to look solid for Osborne. But... Jordan Addison kind of mimics Justin Jefferson's ability, you know, skill set, and, and the way he plays. They both play the X receiver role, right? So despite that, despite having the best wide receiver in football, Jordan Addison's snap count throughout the year has been really strong. So the first game of the year was pretty pedestrian, kind of a welcome to the NFL rookie amount of playing time. 56% of the snaps he played in, in week one. But after that, he basically played usable wide receiver, startable use, uh, wide receiver game reps, and that's probably why his price already is at 6700 So week two, 69%, then 71%. They had a bad game script in week four, so he came back down to 58%. But then last week with Justin Jefferson out, getting a couple more snaps in, already at 75%. To me, it's almost a given he's in 80 85% this week. They're going to see what type of Ferrari they have in the garage, especially with how bad this team is and with Justin Jefferson's free agent year looming, right? I mean, think about the organization as well. The organization at this point would be smart that as soon as they can, they should move from Justin Jefferson and get what they can for him at assets, right? And if they can at least make themselves feel better starting today and giving them the month, they're getting a month sample size of how high can Jordan Addison fly? So Jordan Addison, playing time, obviously not a big deal here. Now, comparing between Addison and Osborne, in case you are you know, not wanting to play two Viking receivers. First off, you should be wanting to play two Vikings receivers and any other Viking in this game because they're playing the Bears, okay? Bears are the 31st ranked pass defense in the league. They have given up a league high 12 touchdown passes through five games. That's insane. That's absolutely insane. They're they're giving up 286 yards per game. Quite frankly, Kirk Cousins, sneaky, very sneaky play this week if you really stack and load him up. He could throw for 400 yards this week if they end up throwing 45 times. Who knows? So, anyway, cupcake matchup on defense for both these players. You should be excited to play both. Anyway, comparing both, though. Addison, KJ, just in last game without Justin Jefferson, very small sample size, but equal on targets. Both got nine which is pretty healthy. And if they get both get nine against the Bears, then it's a win-win situation. Pretty good efficiency on that. Six catches last week for Addison, five for KJ. Yards, pretty much the same, 64-49. Ultimately, I think you got to view this as KJ Osborne is probably going to be the more reliable. He probably has a safe floor that's slightly elevated because Justin Jefferson is no longer there. However, I do think Addison, just given the situation... And then what I have actually seen with my own eyes throughout the season, he looks like a good, good football player. 
So I think Addison here, easy play and should be considered a, a real threat to crack top 10 scores this week, given this matchup. So safety and fire is kind of what we have here between these two players. Make your pick or pick both. It's a win-win situation. Don't spend too much time agonizing over it. And our last Sunday situation, we got to address because, again, they have a cupcake matchup as well. The Los Angeles Rams are playing the Arizona Cardinals this week. This Arizona Cardinals team is a balloon with a hole in it. The air is flying out of this thing. So what to do with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua? Puka Nakua, before Cooper Cup, was on the elevator heading all the way up to the top floor, approaching slate breaker status. Cooper Cup has been a slate breaker the last couple years, and even last week, 95% snaps played. That's insane. That just says, hey, I'm ripping and ready to go right off the bat. It looked like he hadn't missed a step. It looked like he'd been playing all season. Cooper Cup was an established or a slate breaker before the emergence of Cooper, uh, Puka Nakua. They are playing an easy team to thrash, so what do we do here? Honestly, this one to me, what, what, what the emergence of Puka Nakua has done to Cooper Cup is it's brought Cooper Cup to me down as a high-end version of what we have in, in the past with like Mike Evans and Chris Goblin, especially in those Brady years, or even like a, a richer version of Metcalf and Lockett, right? We also see this with Philly as well, with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Now, I do think these two receivers, this duo is number one above everybody in the league number one wide receiver duo right here so to me i think it just drops cooper cup down to high-end stud i think it solidly places puka nakua at mid-level kind of stud but both guys you absolutely have to play this week both guys projected for massive ownership i mean both guys are, are projected for well over 15 percent ownership for both guys so got to take them seriously if you're crazy enough to play a stafford lineup then Easy double stack there for sure. However, I think individually you just need them in, in individual lineups. These are the guys that you sprinkle across your lineups a bit. And it's going to be tough this week. Again, the prices don't help you. Cup, 8700 Nakua, 7900 Too freaking bad. The good DFS players this week are going to find ways to these players uh, to get into their lineup. All right. Well, those are all the Sunday situations, all the things that I pulled when I was going through my player pool that – I foresaw that scared me. You guys, when you make your player pool, you're going to come up with new worries or new ideas. And the only thing I ask in return for this pod is let me know about them. Put them in front of me if you see anything new. I want this to be a two-way development street. And so far this year, it's already happened. I've been put on to good plays by you guys. It's incredible. So let's keep that up. Find me on Twitter, at PlayerPoolPod. Let's get better together. All right, now let's take a look at all the games for week six. All right, let's crack this main slate open and see what it looks like. Overall, while I did point to a lot of preferred, a lot of highlighted players we're going to have to get to this week, overall, to me, the running backs are priced pretty well this week. They're pretty favorable, a lot in the 7,000 to 76,000 range. Really happy for that. The only running back just off cuff that makes me go, is <laughs> Kenneth Walker, 8,400. You're just, it's a touchdown dependent play there, right? But. Anyway, let's get started. We got Washington Commanders to lead off. Going to the Atlanta Falcons projected point total in this 42 and a half. Still with this Commanders team, what I'm seeing here is a dangerous offense with an average to possibly below average quarterback 
an over and a, not a strong enough offensive line for any strong running game to get off the board. Again, there's just nothing on the Commanders at all. And what I what we saw last Thursday when they played the Bears is married to this weird, dangerous, pretty pretty open ended offense is a very bad pass defense and defense in general. So they're playing the Falcons. I think Bajon Robinson in this game. That's a pretty juicy matchup, and I could see the Falcons actually scoring the most points of the season so far this year, this week. And if they do that, you know Bajon Robinson's going to be a huge part of that. But at the same time, Arthur Smith, head coach, hates fantasy football. Obviously, I mean, you cannot trust anybody else on the Atlanta Falcons at all. And I, I keep making this joke because you guys are grab, you guys will not let it go. You guys love Drake London, but just tell yourself his name isn't Drake London. Tell yourself his name is like Joe Smith. It won't be as cool sounding, and you will get over this guy so much faster. You would be better off playing Robert Woods all throughout the year than Drake London at this point. Think about that. Move on from the cool name. <laughs> all right, next up we got Minnesota Vikings at Chicago Bears. Total points projected here, 43.5 is what it's set at. Minnesota's only favored by three points. This is a game where your Justin Fields stack needs to have a lot of fun. Tons of fun options in here. DJ DJ Moore's price got goosed to the moon here. 8K, they're not playing these scrub NFL defenses anymore. I think that's priced out. He didn't make my player pool. And again, it's just hard for me to believe in anything Bears, right? But... Really good environment. I wish this game was being played indoors. It's going to be played at Soldier Field. It is calling for rain, but I always I've had this saying my whole life. When in the Midwest, especially when they're calling for weather four or five days out, it's very unlikely it's going to be realized. Right now, we're calling for mudslides. It sounds like in Cleveland and, and in Chicago this weekend. It's four or five days out. You have no freaking clue. So. Yes, it could be rainy, but I'm going to read it too much into that until late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. You should wake up and get an idea. And really, in this game, that doesn't affect the other usable pieces, right? It doesn't affect Kirk Cousins, Madison, who are both in really good matchups this week. It affects Addison, KJ Osborne, uh, especially. So if you get too heavy on Addison and Osborne, heading into Sunday morning, if you wake up and see, yep, it is going to be torrential rain downpour, you definitely need to fly down and make sure you have limited exposure to those two players or even exchange an Addison for a Hawkinson share. That would be a really good move. So depending on that weather, make your plays there, but don't read too much into it as you're building your lineups Thursday, Friday, even early Saturday. Next game, Seattle Seahawks at Cincinnati Bengals. I'm very intrigued by this game. I think both these teams are actually pretty even on a talent level. Obviously the Bengals have a big talent advantage at quarterback and in the NFL, that seems to be you know, pretty valuable. So this game, 44 and a half point uh, projection here. It's kind of, that's, that's a projection that says we have no idea. And this game could easily get back and forth. So you're going to want to touch this game a lot. I mean, Kenneth Walker, the one thing I don't like is I don't like when West coast teams, Seattle come across the country and play the early window, right? So this game starts at noon central time. There is a chance here that just the travel just knocks the, C- the Seattle Seahawks out. Already this year, they are not very strong against the pass. We think of we think of the Seattle Seahawks, we think of defense, we think of Marshawn Lynch, the Legion of Boom. That doesn't exist here. See, Seattle is giving up uh, 280 yards a game. They're 30th against the pass in the league. They're giving up 280 yards passing, <laughs> passing yards per game. 
we were excited to play Joe Burrow when he was going against the Cardinals. They they give up 30 yards less per game. So he actually has an easier matchup this week. It's not Richard Sherman in the Legion of Boom defense anymore. This is a Seattle team to target through the air. So I you know I expect Burrow and his weapons to do that this week. Other situations in this game, T. Higgins is, as of right now, projected to play. I think, eh, I don't like core injuries. I don't like torso injuries, especially for skill position players. So I would stay away from T. Higgins. To me, this is just a Burrow mixing. Jamar Chase show. And if you let Higgins or Boy catch a touchdown, that's just the bad play. You shouldn't be playing. Lose to the bad plays. On Seattle, Geno Smith is a usable quarterback that can't break 20 points, but he can make Metcalf or Lockett usable. I think, especially if you're playing a Burrow stack, it's easy to get one of those two receivers as kind of a, a bring back uh, player in that stack. Kenneth Walker, to me, is kind of a player that you can just play individually somewhere. And that is really relying on an upset here, right? So we talked a lot about how to read matchups here. Kenneth Walker, Bengals rush defense is bad. 31st ranked in the, in the league. But big travel across the country, not favored by Vegas in this game since he's favored by a small margin, two and a half points, but still favored. Uh, you're going to have to make your read on that. Kind of last week with Montgomery, who was fatly priced at around this range, 8400 it's kind of how I'm looking at Kenneth Walker this week, minus the travel. That's that's really where I'm kind of putting it on. So travel isn't this big, big indicator, but it, it is a factor. So that's why I'm really big about labels in your player pool. You need every little bitty thumb on the scale when trying to make these these decisions. And for me, it's probably just going to be plugging Kenneth Walker somewhere else. One nice thing about the Kenneth Walker situation this week is he is not projected for very high ownership. So if you don't even want to wrestle with the issue – you're not at super high risk of, of missing out on a big explosion game that pushes you completely out of the money. All right, next game here, we got the 49ers going to play the Browns. Projected point total in this game is the lowest of the slate, 35.5 points here. San Francisco favored by 9.5 points. Early in the week, this would actually have been a really sweet spot to choose the Browns as the upset pick of the week. But whatever's going on behind that curtain with Deshaun Watson, he's medically cleared to play now, but the team's saying he's out for three games. Weird, weird, weird. On top of that, you got David Njoku lighting himself on fire a couple weeks ago. Sadly, I mean, he, he suffered severe injuries. I have no idea how he's playing football right now. Uh, it's, it's pretty bad. So you don't know who's going to start at quarterback. The Browns completely are in a shadow realm, especially this week against this 49ers team that looks Super Bowl bound. Right now, the only thing I will say, I just talked about weather, but this is another game that they're projecting for big, big, scary weather impacts. Again, Christian McCaffrey, best player, individual player in football right now. You have to, especially with Justin Jefferson out, you have to have a helping or two of Christian McCaffrey. But this couldn't be a worse, a worse matchup, right? The weather could very necessarily turn this into just an ugly running for inefficiency football game. At the same time, the Cleveland Browns are arguably the best defense in football. But one thing that cracks defenses, and this is very obvious on the New York Jets, who also have a good defense on a talent level, one thing that can crack defenses is a terrible offense that can't stay on the field. And eventually a defense can live on the field for so long that they give up the points, they give everything up. So Christian McCaffrey, kind of a shaky play, very tough, probably the toughest matchup of the year so far for him. You still need to play him once twice and take a solid look at that weather and if it's just an absolute hurricane and 
in Cleveland, you know, for Sunday, then maybe you s- trim him down, just kind of how I said with Addison and Osborne, to just one share if you're playing five or six lineups. Otherwise, the 49ers, it's a great fo- – the 49ers are the rich version of a great football team, bad fantasy team. There's too many mouths to feed. The only one that gets consistently fed is McCaffrey, who's also special. But trying to figure out between Ayuk, Debo, Kittle – you know, who's going to get the, the numbers here just to see it go to John Jennings at the end? You know, just stay away. Just stay away. I mean, they're all very lowly owned anyway. The only way I see myself getting any other 49er is when I'm done with the lineup and there's extra cash left over. Kittle is priced at 5900 I could see myself as a luxury just to diversify a little bit getting up to Kittle, but that's about it. Nothing on the Browns you need to touch this week. Next game, we got the Saints going to the Houston Texans. This will be a great test for C.J. Stroud. 42.5 points projected in this game. So far this year, this Saints offense sucks. There's no other way to say it. They suck. They, they're bad at running. They're bad at passing. If not for Olave catching some deep bombs here, uh, they would have no respect on the offensive side across the league. So you're obviously maybe going to want to get a little touch of Olave here. I don't really see Alvin Kamara on the data. He's projected for good things, right? And he gets solid ownership for it, but it looks really inefficient to me. It looks really slow to me and more running backs are already starting to enter the fray, right? Jamal Williams is on his way back, but Kendra Miller's already there. I'm just not a huge believer at this point in Alvin Kamara's career of him breaking a a slate. Now I could easily be wrong, right? We've seen this Texans team, especially on defense, be all sorts of things this year. They've been opportunistic. They've had some good scoring plays on defense that have shut teams down. They've also gotten hosed uh, by the Indianapolis Colts this year. So you don't really know what you're getting out of Houston, but the Saints team just doesn't feel strong. Now, in this game, interestingly enough, even though they're on the road, Saints are favored, but a low projected total here. I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan. Probably just a lave for me. If for some reason, you know, Kamara did make my player pool, he's definitely one of those last guy in plays for me on the Texan side as of right now Tank Dell not projected to play this week strongly look at that to me what that does is it frees up Marshawn Lattimore to shadow Nico Collins if they decide to do a shadow this really to me opens up the door more towards the secondary guys like Robert Woods at 5,500 and even Dalton Schultz at 5,200 I really like that other than that really tough defense uh, that the Saints have Damian Pierce Bad run offensive line he's running behind. Still at 5,900. He's going to be high-owned. He's going to be projected for 2x value on anything you look at. But to me, he's just not going to produce. He just won't produce anyway. So your running back production is important. So uh, Damian Pierce, you're just not making – he's going to have to show me. He's going to have to pop big in a game for him to re-enter my mind in my player pool. All right, next game. Colts at Jaguars. We covered this a lot already because there's a lot of situations here. All I'll say is I just want to target this Colts pass defense all year round, and I love the tools that are showing up to do it this week. Good thrower with Lawrence. Great receivers across the board. I'm going to be sprinkling them all over the place. To me, this is like Miami Dolphins light, right? This is the poor version of Miami Dolphins. Kind of like what I said last week. Get a lot of Dolphins this week. Make sure you got a healthy helping of Jaguars. On the cold side, again, I just don't see anything. Gardner Minshew is a system quarterback game manager at best, right? Maybe he gets nine good targets pumped to Michael Pittman. Maybe he doesn't. You don't need to be there anyway. So I, I have nothing on the Colts that interests me this week. 
even though Jonathan Taylor's 6,500 price makes me want to make a bad decision. <laughs> uh, moving on, Panthers at Dolphins. So I just said Dolphins light. Uh, all the energy and enthusiasm I had for the Dolphins last week, double that heading into this week. So the only situation on the Dolphins that you need to kind of be worried about because you're going to be playing Raheem Mostert like crazy. You definitely should be. But, yes, there's Jeff Wilson lurking only at 5K. He's projected for decent usage in this game, and that sucks. So right now, I mean, his projection points, depending on which site you're looking at, all hovers around 10, 10 points. That sucks. And then he's also projected for pretty solid ownership level. As of right now, I'm seeing everything between 8 and 12%. So that's high enough that if he is the guy and just rushes for two touchdowns, 80 yards, that could really hurt you. So I don't want to play Jeff Wilson, and I probably won't. I'll probably risk it unless I get new news heading into Sunday. But this Dolphins team, I can't say it enough, you got to play them, and they make it easy for you. You know exactly who's getting the ball other than the running back split. And honestly, the running back split, to me, let's go back to that for a second. Mostert or Wilson, right? Maybe this should have been a Sunday situation, but we'll do it now. Mostert or Wilson, think about it. You can either have going full steam Raheem Mostert, you know what you're going to get. You're probably at least getting 60% of the running back touches, right? 55%. He's getting the majority of the touches. So you pick him, you're getting the majority of the touches. If you go with Wilson, you're risking him being blanked out or kind of having a warm-up game, 15 20% touches. You're risking that. So to me, again, that's why I'm just going to lean Moster and just hope I'm right that they're not just going to unleash Jeff Wilson. So that's one thing here. But otherwise, yes, the Dolphins team, back to what I was saying, so nice to you as a DFS player. You know who's getting the ball. It's not going to their tight ends. Right, it's not going to wide receiver three. It's going to Tiger Kill, Jalen Waddle, and their running backs all day long. So stack and sprinkle, lather up, get them all over the place. You need to be playing a ton of Dolphins. They're going to thump, thump the Panthers. I could see 55 points this week easily. All right, enough of that. From all the enthusiasm and love of a great fantasy team to my least favorite fantasy team this year, the New England Patriots. Going to Vegas uh, with with a strong curfew, I can imagine, from Bill Belichick. That curfew is going to be 6 p.m. sharp. Um, but they're playing the Raiders, and the point projection here, 41.5 points projected. That instantly tells you kind of an ugly fantasy game to even be in. Of course, you got to be in it, though, right? Because they got two uh, slate breakers in this, Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. Two individual slate breakers. I think you just got to plug and, and pray, <laughs> right? But I still think you have to do it. I wouldn't read too much into Devontae's game against the Packers on Monday night. Just a weird outcome. And they the Packers looked like they knew they were going to lose. But by God, they weren't going to have Devontae be a part of that that process and have any I told you so's. So they just made it their job that is it would be anyone but Devontae. You know that Belichick also is really good at shutting down the wide receiver one. So I'm not sugarcoating it. Devontae Adams is heading into a negative matchup and potentially a negative game script because the, the Raiders are favored. But how do you not play him? It's tough. It, it doesn't taste good. It's really bad medicine, but you got to take it. And then I'm not even going to do the joke I do every week where I just say, let's name all the Patriot players you can play and then stay silent for a few weeks. They did. You don't need to be here. So I actually like the Raiders' defense this week. Next game, Detroit Lions at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Detroit's favorite in this game. And, again, I don't pick sportsbook bets. I don't like sports betting like that at all. Um, but if I had to pick an upset this week, the Bucs would be good for it. Coming off a bye at home, 
The Lions have been in a lot of prove-it games, and they have, but I could see kind of an energy drop-off. They're, they're also starting to mount a lot of injuries, right? And what they do best is run the ball. Well, they're going to Tampa, and Tampa has stuffed everybody on the run so far this year. So if the running game gets negated and they have an injured Amon Ross St. Brown out there running around with a lot of other just kind of mid-level wide receivers, even Sam Laporta picked up an injury uh, this week, and he's on the injury report with a calf injury. And we all know what a dreaded calf injury can do to the efficiency of a fantasy football player. So don't like to see that. This this game looks like a juicy matchup, but I'm going to try to keep my feet on the ground. Obviously, David Montgomery, major player pool. He's going to be stiffly owned. It's a terrible matchup. I'm flirting with not playing him, although he is highlighted, right? But uh, <laughs> then on the other side, Amon Ross St. Brown, 7,800, still aggressively priced. Just got to watch his injuries. If he's playing, he's playing at full speed. You got to, especially a player like him, who's a pure toughness player who made himself not naturally genetically gifted like some of the other players in the league. He truly is a self-made player through hard work. So if he's playing, he's going to be efficient. He's going to be himself playing. So I'm not afraid if he's playing. Man, if he's not playing, though, I don't know what you do with the Detroit. You probably just take a day off and maybe touch a little value with Jameer Gibbs again, but that's all I would do. On the other side of the ball, I actually really like the Bucks, and then I remember Rashad White's the running back. Rashad White just doesn't look like he can really get going. The Detroit, after last year, the Lions defense still carries with it a stigma of kind of being loose and all these games are going to be kind of like a – uh, a fast break, but that's not true this year. The Lions against the run rank sixth in total defense and third against the run. So Rashad White, who does not look good as an NFL starting running back anyway, doesn't get a lot of love for me, even though his price is there, even though the data projections show that he's a good value play. I'm not buying him, but I love, love, love Mike Evans this week and Chris Godwin. Both made my player pool. Both got preferred highlights by me. Again, more players that I'm just going to have to kind of plug in individually uh, and, and hope they pay off in the right lineup. All right, just a couple more games to go here. We got the Cardinals, the the balloon team with a hole in it, <laughs> going at, to the Rams. The point total here projected, 48.5. The Rams are favored by a full touchdown, which in the NFL, how to read these lines again, these point spreads, if it's like a one and a half point favor, that tells you it's pretty much a toss-up. If it's a three points, that's indicating eh, one team has a slight edge, but these teams are fairly even. When it's a full touchdown favorite or more, that's telling you that these two teams are in completely different tiers. So the Rams, kind of like the Dolphins last week, this is like the medium version of it. You want a lot of them. I could see them trouncing the Cardinals. Rams are going to be at home. Stafford's in a good place. Kyron Williams in a good place. Cup and Nakua, even though it is a coin flip there, great spot. Even Higby, if you're just desperate for some difference down there at tight end, the bargain bin level, his price still stays at 5K. The only usable player that I actually like this week on the Cardinals, I do like Zach Ertz because, like I mentioned, there's just not a lot of options this week at bargain bin tight end. And his usage, even as the young Cardinals receivers have started to get more involved in the past game, his usage has stayed pretty Pretty solid. You know, last week he only got four targets, but was able to do a lot with that with just the two catches he made of that four targets for eight fantasy points. So that's all you're asking from Bargain Ben. If a 5K tight end can get you eight points, that's that's what the tight end does in, in fantasy football. So take that for what it's worth. Otherwise, I don't like the Cardinals anywhere else. But make sure you get your Rams in. And the last game of the main slate 
Eagles at Jets. Interesting game, right? Because you got the nuclear bomb that can be Jalen Hurts and his stacks, right? DeAndre Swift is fourth in the NFL in rushing yards. And shockingly enough, and I still view the Jets as an incredibly high-talent defense, but like I already mentioned, when you're married to a horrible offense, this, the Jets' defense has just ran ragged. They are gassed by you know, the second quarter. So the Jets have actually allowed 146 yards on the ground per game this year. And, I, again, I think that's because they're just getting thumped to death, just death by a 1,000 cuts. But if that's what it is, that's what it is, and they're giving up the stats. So you get a discount on a good running back this week. The fourth-ranked rusher in the league is only 7,200. That's a gift. Play that with mild confidence. <laughs> now this game could get ugly. The, the Eagles are, you know, on the road here as well. So I'm not super excited. I'm not going to be playing two Hurts lineups by any means this week. So I'll probably try to get Hurts matched up with maybe probably just A.J. Brown. Oh, he's going to be against Sauce Gardner. I don't know. It's a really tough matchup for this Eagles team. They're going to see how good their offense is this week. But you're going to get all the, the usual suspects, and you at least have to get Hurts, Swift, and Brown in. You want to get weird. You can play Devontae Smith, but he's priced so high. I mean, he's priced at 7,300. His production just doesn't match that. And A.J. Brown can can potentially blow a slate up every once in a while. So he's definitely favored overall on that. Dallas Godert. God, there I am again. About to say his name. Dallas Godert. 6,200. He's now priced out for me at the tight end level. He had a good game last week, though. On the Jets side, this is going to be a bloodbath. Play the Phillies defense. I really like the slate this week. I think there's a good blend of a couple game stacks you absolutely have to do with some more blend of good naked quarterbacks options and a lot of individual players that you just got to piece together like, you know, like darts on a dartboard. You just got to nail them in their, in their right fits in the right spots. So you're going to have to kind of work with them a lot this week. This is a difficult slate though, at the same time. But the player pool, as you get good at it, as you get good at the player pool, the more difficult slates are an advantage to you because you are no longer a fish just guessing and trying to guess the correct nine lottery numbers in a lineup. So follow your process, and this week above all, you're going to see yourself cut through the field like an absolute knife. I, I do kind of envision that. So stick with it. It is going to be a tough week. Stick to your bankroll management. If you've had success you know, we had a user last week. I think he went from around $20 bet to you won over 400. It's not the time to now start playing triple, you know, what you were playing last week. Don't do that. Stay within your bankroll management. Enjoy the success and enjoy that money for after the season. Because if you double down there and then you lose, the, the stress that you did not have when you won the money will now be present on you into the next week. So protect yourself from yourself. That's what the player pool does for daily fantasy sports players. Hey, it's been a blast throughout the entire year. Please tell your friends, hey, listen to this show. Come check this out. Make sure you're following me on Twitter, at PlayerPoolPod. I'm excited for this slate. I'm excited for you guys. You'll see me here after the main slate ends Sunday night. Until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Player Pool Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at PlayerPoolPod.